Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. England. 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 Hello and welcome to episode three of Back of the Net, the England Euro 2016 podcast with me, Sean Barker. Sam? Sam, are you there? Hell, what's this note stuck to my screen? Sean, gone to the Euros on my stag do. Back next week. Love you lots. Sam Davis. Ah, that's right. I forgot. No Sam this week. So you are stuck with me. And for the show today, I am wearing the white England Euro 2000 shirt, most famous for being worn by Phil Neville as he gave away that needless penalty in the last few minutes, which gave Romania the goal, which sent us out in the group stage. I wish I wasn't wearing it now. Thanks, Phil. So, coming up on the show today... I'll quiz your England player knowledge with this episode's Do You Remember, which features a player selected for England in two European Championships, but he didn't play a single minute in either. Now, due to Sam being away and he's the technical whiz on the website, there's no fan thoughts today, but they will return next week. But... Just like Roy Hodgson making some miracle substitutions, so have we today, with Sam Davis getting dragged, and in his place we have Rob Frank coming to us live from Sydney, Australia, as we review the 2-1 victory over Wales. I'll then bring you the latest England Euro 2016 news. And then Rob and myself will preview the Slovakia game. But first, Sam did manage to send me a message from Leon where he was enjoying his stag do after going to the Northern Ireland versus Ukraine game. So let's find out what he's been up to. Hello, mate. Here's a Saturday AM. Oh, my God, I've just got back. So... Thursday, I was dressed in body paint, half and half Ukraine, Northern Ireland. Today, I was dressed as a bloody inflatable dinosaur, the hottest environment ever. (laughs) Being told to chase after children, 
let people run after that. It's, it's not my scene, but I did it. I did it. I did it. On a brighter note, I just want to say that the fan park in Lyon is brilliant. Like, there's obviously the big screens where you can sit and watch the game that's going on. It was Russia versus uh, no, sorry, Czech Republic v Croatia tonight. But uh, in amongst it, there's all sorts of bars. There's five-a-side football going on. Um, all sorts of kind of um, athletics things like little slaloms for fitness and all sorts of stuff and it's, it was a really chilled atmosphere and uh, a far cry from what I've seen on the news but obviously that is in Marseille where the ultras are out in force but in Lyon at least it's been beautiful and uh, the weather's been good and uh, yeah it's been a, an enjoyable time and P.S. I'm getting bored of that Will Griggs song now oh my god I've heard it so much over the last few days I'm going to puke Sam Davis back of the net Leon well there you go thanks Sam for your update there from France a little bit different from the uh, live crosses you get from Gabby Logan on the TV but well that'd be pretty fun Match Gabby Logan Shearer Jermaine Genus John Hartson all on a night out and then, then they're just about to go home to bed they all do their live links. Oh, TV of the future, folks. So thanks, Sam. And, uh, yeah, he'll be back for the next uh, show. Probably a little bit more awake, let's say. But moving on now, let's get your brains in gear with this episode's Do You Remember? This player was born on the 31st of December 1965 in Adelaide, Australia and made a total of 15 appearances for England between 1989 and 1994, scoring no goals. He holds a current England record for being the only uncapped player to have ever been included in a major tournament squad when he was called up for the 88 European Championships. By the end of the tournament, he was still uncapped as he failed to make an appearance during the finals. He was a fullback who eventually made his England debut 18 months after those Euros in a friendly versus Yugoslavia. He was in the Italian 90 World Cup squad, although only appeared in the third place playoff game, and once again made it into an England European Championship squad when he was selected for Sweden 92, but alas, once again, he failed to make an appearance in the Euros. In his club career, he began in 1983 for Aston Villa before going on to play for Chelsea, Leeds, Torino, Derby County and Stoke City before retiring in 2001. So there was Do You Remember for this episode and... I reckon one or two of you would probably have got it with his place of birth. Because I think there's some smart cookies that listen to this show. Sam's not here to do his usual, not sure, I think I know it is, and then ultimately say Steve Stone. So um, we'll save you that. But at the end of the show, I will bring you the answer. So get your thinking caps on. If you don't know who it is yet, by the end of the show, I'll put you out of your misery. Coming up next... We bring you the match review of that victory over Wales. Okay, so for the match review today, obviously Sam is, well, he was on his stag do in, in uh, France. Last last time I saw reports of him, he was body painted, half in the Ukraine kit, half in the Northern Ireland kit. So who knows where he is, but he's not on the show today. Very lucky to have a very special guest, not very far away from me. My old uh, AFC Bournemouth supporting mate, Rob Frank, coming to us live from Sydney, Australia. Hey, Rob. Hi, Sean. How are you going? I'm very well. How are you? 
Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I'm pretty upbeat after last night. Well, and you, you sound like you're, you're fighting fit. Now, whereas Sam was normally cracking open a can of G&T to do the match review, you're actually pounding the streets doing a training walk. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm about three hours and about 18k into a training walk at the moment. So hopefully you can hear me okay over the traffic. Yeah, perfect. Sam's got a lot to live up to now, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I always worked hard on him on the pitch, so... <laughs> now, looking back at the game, obviously... England came up against in the clash of Britain, Wales. The pressure was apparently all on England. The Welsh had been building up how much their passion they had and how none of our players were getting their side. So it was a it was a big battle in Lons. Gareth Bale scored the Wales goal in the 42nd minute with a free kick from probably 387 yards, which somehow evaded uh, Joe Hart. So it was 1-0 at half-time. Roy Hodgson made a couple of brave changes some would say bringing on Vardy and Sturridge the boys did the business Vardy popping up in the 56th Sturridge in the 91st 92nd minute so England win 2-1 England now top of the group heading into the final group game but Rob let's start with the team selection Roy named an unchanged side from the game against Russia so he he kept Sterling and he kept Kane what were your initial thoughts um it, it didn't surprise me to be honest because to be honest if you take Russia's equaliser out of it, I thought it was a really decent performance. I thought we looked bright, we looked lively, thought we controlled it. So it didn't massively surprise me, to be to be fair. Yeah, I felt the same way. I, As I said on the last show, I felt that we played really well with Kane and Sterling not performing that great. I didn't think they had great games. I was, hope, you know, I was hoping that they would maybe pick it up and then you get 11 players performing. Um, but interestingly, it just, I don't know, Sterling, whether it was the big money tag and whatever, but just didn't look at the races, did he? And, and neither did Kane. Um, look, Sterling, for me, I'm, I'm worried he's going to fall into the mould of players that gut at your Chelsea's and your Manchester City's and, and end up sitting on the bench and not really playing and not really performing. You know, Sean Wright Phillips is one that springs to mind, similar type of player. So that is a worry. Um, Harry Kane, I was sort of thinking this morning, why isn't it happening for him at the moment? I, I don't know. I wonder whether potentially there's a little bit of an emotional hangover from Spurs bombing out at the end of last season. Mm. Um, and, and if that's the case, I'd, I'd sort of throw Deli Alley into the mix as well. Because I have to say, he's probably been a little disappointing. And maybe that's a little harsh on him, given his age, his experience. And, you know, the usual thing, we've probably talked up a kid too much. But... I don't feel he's really produced either, to be honest. So I don't know if theirs is a, is a post-Tottenham end-of-season hangover or, or what. But, yeah, there's still two or three things not quite right. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd go along with that. And, I mean, Sterling had that great chance, which the more you see it on replays, the cross has come whipped into him. I think he should have scored it, really. Yeah, you, you don't get the impression from his body shape, his body language, the way... He struck the ball that he really felt he was going to finish. Um, it was tentative. It was a stab at the ball. I think it was one of those things that, you know, may, maybe if he's on top of his game, he just strokes it in the corner. But, but yeah, it, things aren't happening for him at the moment, and I think that moment showed it. Yeah. Now, one thing that did surprise me, um, and it really was the whole game, was... I was surprised with Wales' tactics. I mean, they, they had been talking it up, and now I wonder how much of that was a bit of worry as to the strength of England. But I would have thought with the point situation where they are, and Gareth Bale said after the game, they knew they could afford to lose this and still be in a strong position. I was really expecting that big Premier League clash, end-to-end stuff. And to be honest, they they offered very little. They were very, very negative throughout the whole 90 minutes. Um I was I was surprised by that, and I, and I was I, if I was Welsh, I know they were saying how proud they were. I'd have been disappointed, to be fair. That that for me sums the whole thing up, and I I almost felt it was like looking back on it now, it's like um, you sort of Championship or League One side gets drawn at home to a Premier League side in the cup. They dig in, they battle, they fight hard, but they end up getting beat. And at the end of the game, you go. Was that an opportunity missed? Because we never really gave that a go. Mm. Um, I think a couple of times in the last couple of years, you and I have seen Bournemouth drawn against um, Liverpool and felt that way in cup games. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Bale 
the free kick aside, Bale contributed nothing in the game. Mm. I thought their only threat was Aaron Ramsey, who I thought had a, a really decent game for them. Um, he, he looked lively, he looked a threat, but bar, bar Ramsey, I really didn't see anything out there to hurt us. I thought Robson Carno ran the channels well and put the centre-backs under a little bit of pressure, but yeah, I'm with you. It was, it was almost, we'll dig in for a nil-nil. If we can scrape a goal from somewhere, we'll continue to dig in. So I guess in a way they got what they deserved. Yeah. Now that first half, people, lots of people have been really negative, in particular about the first half performance. The one thing, I mean, we absolutely dominate possession. I mean, for me, one thing I was saying to my mates I was watching the game with was that past tournaments, we've always accused England of not being able to keep the ball enough and not being in possession enough and not being able to slow the game down and speed it up. It's always 100 miles an hour. Now, as far as I could see, we did that pretty well. I think we went a little bit too far and it was a bit slow. And interestingly, I said to my friend Dan that I was like, it looks like the grass is long or something because it just felt like sometimes we were playing in mud or sand. And then after the game, I think it was Lalana came out to say that the pitch was very, very dry and they apparently they discussed that half time. But we were a little bit slow and we weren't really carving too many chances away. Um, so I guess if we were to be negative about that first half perhaps we could have moved the ball a bit quicker uh yeah again i, I completely agree I, I think like you said we, we dominated possession and, and you have to say bar the free kick wales didn't have a sniff um but yeah we certainly moved the ball too slowly there were two or three times you know we're getting caught on the ball in the middle of the park and i thought we were comfortable up until sort of the the final third and we're, we're maybe 30 yards out and we're lacking a little bit of movement um, maybe lacking a little bit of idea. Um, but, but saying that, and I, I have to say at half-time, and I don't know whether this is just old-school England bravado that I guess I'll never lose, but at half-time I did say to the, to the boys I, I felt we'd go on to win the game. Um, looking back now, I'm not quite sure why I felt that, because we didn't carve out much, as you say, but I just felt we were very, very comfortable. And if we could just carve out one or two opportunities, one or two openings, they, they weren't going to be able to live with us. Yeah, that's right. And then, I mean, the one thing they talked up was, you know, well, don't give away any free kicks. And 40, 40 second minute, there's a foul given and it's oh, it's probably around 40 yards. Now, as a goalkeeper myself, you know, I feel like I, I'm not an England goalkeeper. I feel I can be fairly um, clinical on, on Joe Hart's performance for the goal. For me... The biggest thing was his was his footwork. I mean, I often talk about yes. the footwork and how extra yeah. steps, they're the difference between getting a ball and not getting the ball. And he, it was laboured. I think, like, watching it, the ball went pretty high. He would have seen it fairly early. It wasn't like it bashed through the middle of the wall. But he dived very early. And if you watch it back, there was time for an... He took, I think he only took one step. He could have taken another step. And instead of being fully outstretched, it would have been a fairly comfortable save. Now... The only thing is, and with the certain players, there's a mentality of, okay, Gareth Bale's taking this free kick. Now, I've played against players that can make the ball move in that weird, peculiar way. And before they take it, you're analysing your head and you think, right, I'm not going to try and catch it. All I need to do is get this ball away. And I wonder if that was Hart's mentality was, I can't be beaten from this distance. I just need to focus on palming it away. And maybe his, his head's forgotten about his feet which then meant he ended up just powering it in the bottom corner, but he should have kept it out. Oh, look, you're, you're the expert on goalkeeping, as you say, not me, but I mean, that was the first thing I looked for, the lack of foot movement, because when you saw it from behind Bale, it was no more than a yard, maybe two yards to, to Joe Hart's left. And travelling from that distance, as you say, he had good sight of it. He shouldn't be beaten from there. And I, I, I don't know whether there was a touch of overconfidence, but, but he's looked at Bale lining it up from or 35, 37 yards easily and, and thought, he can't beat me from there. Mm. The other thing as well was that he, he, he had a fairly big wall. I think there was four in the wall. Again, it's kind of one of those that you're such a distance that you just want to see the ball as much as you can. You know, it's it's you don't need a big wall to cover a big area because you've got the time to cover it. So for me, I, again, I'd have been putting maybe two, all right, put two there, stop an easy drill shot in the bottom corner. But at least give yourself enough time. But having said that, he still should have got it. Yeah. Look, I want, I want to put something to you on the point with the wall because it was something I actually read this morning. And again, you're the keeper, so I, won't, I wouldn't mind your opinion on this. Someone said to me, from that distance, or not said to me, but something I read, someone said, from that distance, 
you actually shouldn't have a wall because you shouldn't really need a wall because he's going to get it up and down over the wall anyway. But actually by having a wall there, it almost gives him a sighter. It gives him a distance perception. So by not having a wall, it, it actually may have made it more difficult for Bale, as, as stupid as that sounds. I I, what do you think on that? I, 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 I don't fully agree with no wall. Like I said, I would I would have put probably two there because you just want to give them something to think about. If there's no wall at all, yep. all he's yep. thinking in his mind is I can just drill this hard and low by putting uh-huh. a couple there. It just gives something. And that's, you know, I think sometimes even when there's free kicks right on the edge of the box and you see player def- walls that have got six, seven, eight players in it, it's too many. You don't need that many. You need to be able to see it. No. But having none, I think invites a clear knuckle drive. So I would, I would disagree. And I say, no, you have something, but I didn't think he needed what he what he needed. The other thing it does from that kind of distance, putting four players, it also leaves you pretty short defensively if they were to fling players forward in terms of marking because yeah, there's yeah. more chance it's not going to be a goal but it's going to end up in the box. So I, yeah, I think yeah, they'll probably right. I think they'll probably look at that and if we came up another team I'd be surprised if we lined up the same way. As it happened, it did go in. Wales were celebrating. England got booed off by a section of their fans at half time. Obviously, we all then had a pint or we had a cup of tea or a whatever what time of time of day it was. Second half, we wondered, would we see Vardy? Would we see Sturridge? We saw Sturridge come up the steps and then next minute we saw Vardy. Off came Sterling and Kane, which I would imagine if there was a straw poll, probably 95% of the fans watching would have said that's the change that needed to happen. Again, people are complaining, well, Roy's made the obvious change. I don't care. If it's the obvious change, make it. Don't be, you know, don't be too stubborn. He wasn't. He made the change. And... Those boys made a difference pretty much straight away, didn't they? Yeah, look, I, Roy got, for me, a lot of unfair criticism over his substitutions in the Russian game because those substitutions didn't cost us the game in as much as I, I felt we dominated the whole way. You know, people said take Rooney off, but Wilshire controlled the game when he came on, so that was tough. So you, you've got to now say Roy got it 100% spot on because both of his subs have come on. They've both scored, but they've both influenced the game in different ways. Um, I, I think there were, I read something again this morning said oh the goal Vardy actually really never got involved in the game but I, I disagree with that yeah what do you think why were we different what did they do that was different to the first half well, I think I think Sturridge is probably more adept and, and certainly more confident at this point in time but finding that space 30-35 yards out where we were getting to without much of a problem but then things are breaking down. So you've got Sterling, who's contributing nothing. Um, we switched Lalana to the left, and he can start drifting in and linking. Um, Sturridge is drifting in and linking from the right. The fullbacks can start going on, because I thought in the first half, Danny Rose didn't get forward as much as he should have done, and mm. um, certainly not as much as Walker. Um, but I think the other thing that Vardy did was, and people talk about, you know, they're not going to leave space in behind for Vardy for his pace, but, Vardy's sharp over five yards. So it's not just leave 30 yards for him to go into. Well, we're not going to do that. They, they got pinned back because and I, I think you, you, you know what I mean if I, if I say uh, the job Callum Wilson did for Bournemouth in the championship. Yes. When he pins the centre-halves in deep because they're worried about him spinning in behind when it is, you know, first five yards, ten yards or so quick, it allows people then to play in that little space in front of them. And I, and I felt he, I, th- I felt Vardy created a lot of that space for Sturridge, for Ali, for Lalana, for Rooney, um, and so we started to carve out half chances and then a little bit more than a half chance. And, and in, in that respect, I felt although he didn't do as much on the ball as Sturridge, I felt Vardy did play a big part. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And the other thing as well is that you know he's a striker that knows where to be when he's in the box. And I think sometimes when we're putting balls in. There's just not the intelligence of the run from Lalana and Sterling in the same way as there are from strikers. And, of course, 56th minute, it was Vardy that popped up with the goal. Uh, the ball kind of bobbled around a little bit, didn't it? And then it actually came off Williams's head, didn't actually it? Actually, Williams, yeah. Yeah. Now, I remember in, in the bar we were, we could kind of hear, couldn't really hear the commentary because everyone was going ballistic. And we saw the replay as we are celebrating. And, of course, it was even louder cheer because it was like, oh, my God, we got on away with an offside one. And then... Yeah, brilliant call by the referee and the linesman to spot that it actually came off the defender. Thus, he was onside, and then it was was it? His, I think it might have been his shin that actually put the ball in, but it, it doesn't really matter. He was in the right oh, place. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really care to be honest, but yeah, I mean, you're right. 
And again, it's just he was in the right spot. I think Alan Shearer, I was watching back the BBC commentary this morning and um, Shearer said he's the player that gambles and he's in the right place at the right time. He got us back in the game and just the huge lift, even more. I mean, there was a lift at half time, I think, from the fans because of the subs. Once we yep. got that goal back, it was like, are Wales going to be able to change their tactics and come out at us? Or are we just going to push on and get more confident? As it happened, it, the game didn't really change, did it? They didn't really change. If anything, they actually started sinking deeper and deeper at that point. Oh, look, I, I think if you'd said to them before the game, go home with a point, they'd have taken it. So I don't suppose from their, from their perspective, it was ever going to change. And, and obviously, you know, with Vardy and Sturridge with their pace, they're, they're probably not going to push on. Um, I thought we had a, a really good 15, 20 minutes after the goal. And then I sort of felt when, you know, 15 minutes to go and let's, let's really drive at this, let's really take it to them and, and go on and win the game. I wonder if the, the old Russia game started creeping into the back of their minds and it was like, all right, we're, we're not going to throw this away again. You know, we're, we're going to make sure we're absolutely solid mm. and we give absolutely nothing away. And a draw's not great but if that's what we have to deal with that's what we'll deal with so I still felt we were creating things I still felt we were lively around the box I, I remember Rooney had one foot fingertipped away by Hennessy mm. um, there was one or two shouts for handball um, but but I, I it was one of those that I think we were scared to lose having got ourselves back in so it it started to peter out just a little bit yeah, I'd agree with that. The one player I felt that really did have that drive was Sturridge. I mean, for me, yeah. the confidence of he just wanted the ball constantly. Now, first couple of times he got it, he kind of went on these blind alley runs and he was wiggling around and then he lost it or it didn't quite work out. But it was, And then he had a couple of pop shots that went over, but he constantly wanted to be on the ball. And just as we thought time was running out, obviously 91st minute, 92nd minute, there was a real good move, wasn't there, that then caused the, the winning goal. Yeah, look, we, we, we kept probing away. And the, the, thing that I, the thing that I really liked about what we did was we, we didn't just toss the ball into the box because, you know, Vardy's not, he's not actually the biggest and the tallest and he's not the best in the air. And they've got Ashley Williams, they've got James Chester. And, you know, that, that's probably what they would have been happy for us to do. And, and we kept looking to play the little one-twos around the box. And I think it was, was it Danny Rose and, and Deli Alley involved? Yeah, um, and then the ball broke to Sturridge, um, and and I was actually really confused when it first happened as to how it went in. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really see it, but it was. I think it was the fact it was on his right foot. There was no back lift, um, and it was just an instinctive finish, similar to Vardy, I guess, the instinctive finish of a striker, and, and you just can't teach that, I suppose. Not not at the top level. No, you can't. But also, I think it's it's testament to how quickly our squads gel that the link up between Sturridge to Vardy, who they haven't got many minutes, if any minutes, together. No, the way I don't he, think they play together. No, I don't think they have. But the way that Vardy could see what Sturridge wanted to do, it was the one-two. And then when you watch the replay, actually, it looked like Ali had kind of stumbled through, but he actually managed to kind of do a little backflip with his right foot, didn't he, to kind of behind him yeah, to feed yeah, the ball did. through. Yeah, Good strength from Sturridge. And then, yeah, I was surprised it went in. And at first was thinking, how's Hennessy let that one through? Um, but having watched again the BBC and listening to Shearer, who he knows one or two things about scoring goals, um, as he said, and you pointed out, it was the lack of backlift. It just came so quickly. I still think Hennessy probably should have been a couple of yards out and should have been closing the angle. He, he, left the, he was almost on his line, which invited the gap, I think, for Sturridge to poke it in. Had he been an extra couple of yards out at the angle, I think it probably would have just hit him and it would have been an instinct save. But as it happened, somehow it found its way in the back of the net. And uh, we were in the car on the way to the pub. We were trying to remember the last England tournament game that had one of those moments where we've got a great win. And we were trying to, you know, we were talking in terms of years, in terms of the last time that we uh, I mean, really it, had a it big is. moment. So, so just... With you, with you raising that now off, off the top of my head, and I'm probably wrong. There's probably been one since, but in terms of that, you know, heroic last-minute winner that means a lot. Um, I'm almost back to 1990, David Platt against Belgium yeah. in extra time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that was what a minute to go before we went to penalties. Had we yeah, not scored right. that, we gone to penalties, we'd been knocked out. We wouldn't be talking about that great side and how close we were and whatever else. Which exactly. again, I guess shows you the margins, and that's why I think. 
the the way people have been slagging off a lot of the team because of what happened to Russia, it was a last minute. If that hadn't have gone in, we'd suddenly be at the top with six points. So I don't think there's anything to be too downhearted about. No. Final whistle went. The boys were elated. There was a lot of passion on display there, which I think there might have been a few comments towards the Welsh guys. I think Gary Neville may have got involved a little bit because, you know, he's not the guy to shy away from that kind of stuff. But there could be no complaints. I mean, it came late, but I think the result, there was, for me, there was one team that wanted to win that game and there was one team that didn't want to lose it. And I would always rather see the attacking side win. And on our day, it was us that did it. Chris Coleman, after the game, made a few comments and you know what he's going to say. And, and you know, what else is he going to say as the Welsh manager? So no, no criticism of him for that at all. But 69% possession... 20 shots to eight. Oh, you know, if we were watching a neutral game and that was the situation, you'd say, well, no complaints, the best team won. So um, I think, I think you know, both of our games, we, we've absolutely deserved to win. Um, so we're at the top where, where we deserve to be, in my view. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, we move on to Monday where we play our final group game against Slovakia in St. Etienne. And we're going to preview that in a moment. But before that, Rob, you're just going to need to keep walking because I've just got to run over to the uh, back of the net news booth. And let's bring you the England Euro 2016 news, probably with a pun or two. England Euro It might not be vodka and Charlie, but Vardy uses other vices at his party. Jamie Vardy was photographed leaving the England Hotel clutching a can of Red Bull and a tin of chewing tobacco this week, and he has revealed it's a regular thing for the striker. He told the press, It's just something I've always done, and they've been checked with the medical team, and there's nothing wrong with them. Now, while both the energy drink and the nicotine hit are not classed as banned substances, they are on the World Doping Agency's monitoring list. In another frank admission, Vardy admits he never goes to the gym for fear of gaining too much muscle and slowing him down. So maybe there's hope yet for all of us. Players can't leave Leo Lyon around. All squads in the tournament were permitted to have a 23-man squad, but for England they decided to have 23 men and one lion for the duration of the tournament. Leo the lion, a large cuddly toy lion, has been spotted being carried by various members of the squad since being included in the official squad leaving photo on the steps of the plane as they prepare to head for France. It has since been revealed that it is being passed around the squad and there are punishments should the lion be lost or damaged while under a player's care. This has led to many attempts by other players to kidnap the lion so as to trigger a punishment. So let's hope we end up with UEFA needing to provide an additional winner's medal come the end of the tournament for our furry friend. Sterling raised for exit flight. An England fan was so disgusted by Raheem Sterling's performances in the opening two games of the Euros that he set up a crowdfunding page to raise the £200 needed for the player's flight home. The reasoning given for the funding request says, Let's face it, we're all sick of seeing this guy mince down the wing and fail to deliver a half-decent ball into the box. We'll bring the lad home and then we can all stop cringing every time a gust of wind knocks him over. Aaron Bamford originally set up the Just Giving page as a joke, but now has had over £1,000 pledged, so he has updated the page to say all money raised will be donated to Doogie Mac Hospice. Seems a bit harsh to have set up the page, but at least the money is being put to good use. England Euro News. All the news, all the time there from, well, me in the news booth. Um, Normally, Sam's here to pick apart the puns, but let's just say great work and move on to a pun headline that was sent to us via Twitter after the Wales-England game, which is 
which is up there, I'm going to say. So Matt Callahan at Callahan Matt on Twitter, sent us in this absolute cracker of a headline after the game. Wales lead Comrues to nothing as Sturridge's late winner cancels the strike of bailout. Oh, Matt, that's tremendous work. Got a bit of Welsh in there as well. Um, Top, top marks, and that's coming from from somebody who knows a thing or two, or maybe just a thing about puns. Uh, So that was tremendous. I love a good pun. So after the Slovakia game, if you can come up with a good headline that sums up the game, do tweet it. We're at at AFCB podcast. That's at AFCB podcast, which is our AFCB, AFC Bournemouth podcast, because that's what we normally present under but obviously we're doing the special england ones but send it to that twitter account or you can email fans at afcbpodcast.com if you've got a cracking palm but well done matt great great work this is not sir jeff hurst but you are listening to back of the net Okay, so now we're going to look ahead to England's last game of Group B versus Slovakia. It's on Monday night in the UK. It's 8 p.m. kickoff. Here in New Zealand, it's 7 a.m. kickoff, which is which is okay. For Rob in Sydney, it's a 5 a.m. kickoff, so not the nicest, but th- there you go. He'll still be there listening. Now, England topped the group at the moment. They've got four points. Wales and Slovakia both on three. Russia down there with one point. Because of the way there's the number of extra teams in the Euros, it's almost harder not to qualify than qualify. So for England, if they win, they go through, they top the group, and they'll play a third-place team from Group A, C, or D. If they draw, they'll still qualify, possibly at the top, but if Wales were to beat Russia, then we'd be second. Even if we lost, the chances are we'll probably go through as well, barring some kind of mathematical anomaly so it's looking pretty good in that regard Rob with maybe the pressure off what does Roy do from here does he name the same side that finished the game do we stick with Sterling and Kane and give them one more chance or maybe do we see some of the other boys that have been on the bench given a run out yeah I'd I'd probably change one or two things Um, I I don't think Joe Hart on the back four is going to change I think they've been pretty solid um don't really have too many complaints there, and I guess there's not a whole heap of options anyway. Um, the, the makeup of the midfield, I'm still not entirely convinced. I, I think Dyer, um, thought he, he's done really well, so he, he'd be in for me. I didn't think he was the best on the ball last night, but the fact, I guess, he was probably detailed to go with Bale, and Bale never had a kick, so he's done his job. Um, Rooney in that withdrawn role, I, I, I've been really impressed with, I have to say. Um, it's almost like he's become the, the the new Paul Scholes. You know, that, that shift from the second striker back into midfield. And you look at Scholes, you look at Beckham when he did it. To me, Rooney's the same. If, if you're a class player, you can go and play in the middle. And he's a class player. Um, so probably, probably then the, the number 10 is open for me. I, as I said earlier, I'm not entirely convinced Deli Alley's at the top of his game. And... I'm a big, big fan of Jack Wilshire. I'm not an Arsenal fan by any means, but Wilshire, for me, you know, if he was Italian, if he was Spanish, they'd be raving about him and they'd build the team around him. He, he knows how to slow the game, up the tempo, change the pattern of play. And I'm a, I'm a big fan, so I'd, I'd like to see Jack Wilshire get a, a run, to be honest. Um, and then I guess the front three. Lallana. Lallana's always a bits and pieces player. But he always seems to do pretty well for England, so I'd keep him in. But I think Sterling and Kane have had their chance, um, and I'd be making my changes. I think, is that a straight swap for Sturridge and Hardy? You'd be hard-pushed not to. I mean, what, what more do you want from your substitutes than to come on, change the game, score goals? And they did that, so I think they deserve that. Um, I know Rashford came on last night. I have to admit, I don't see that Rashford is ready. He's, he's obviously being talked up, but I don't think he's good enough yet, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have even taken him. Um, so I don't see Rashford being a start player. So for me, three changes. I'm probably looking at Wilshire, Vardy, Sturridge for um, Ali, Kane and Sterling. 
So what about, just to kind of be a devil's advocate here, what about uh, the fact that Vardy and, and Sturridge made such a difference coming on and kind of an injection into the side? If we start them, do you think Harry Kane coming off the bench is going to give you that same boost? So let's say it's not working for Vardy and Sturridge. Do we turn to Kane or do we turn to Rashford? Like, do we lose something by bringing those guys on early? I'm still hesitant about whether Vardy maybe is going to be used as our impact player. I could see Sturridge starting. I just, I'm just not sure whether, just to put it out there, what do you think about that? Do you think Kane could come on and give us something or do we keep him as kind of the Solskjaer super sub? Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you in one respect. I'm not convinced Kane is likely to have as much of an impact off the bench as Vardy. Um, so I, I guess in that respect... As a, as a substitute, Vardy is probably the better of the two. But, but I'm never really one to say, well, who do we want coming off the bench to make an impact? I, I don't want strikers coming off the, you know, the bench to make an impact because I want us to be 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 up. So for me, pick the, pick the 11 that's going to win the game, win it comfortably, and then we don't need to worry about substitutes coming on and making an impact. I don't, I don't think the best sides in the world will concern themselves as to who can come off the bench and rescue a game for us. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and potentially, let's say it does go incredibly well, and let's say we're a few goals up or whatever, well, then maybe that's a really good chance to get one of them off, maybe get Kane on, maybe give a bit of a confidence booster, give him a goal, and maybe that will then kick him on a little bit more, perhaps? Yeah, or, or you know, little things like Gary Cahill's on a booking, so if we're comfortable, can we give John Stones a run out so Gary Cahill doesn't pick up another and miss the next game? I think those sort of things have to come into it as well. Um, you know, just, 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 do they look at you know Eric Dyer, um, give him a little rest because he's got a tough old job playing the number six role at the moment. So, so let's go with the eleven. Let's get a couple of goals up. It's not going to be easy. Slovakia are a decent side, um, but but hopefully we can get a couple of goals up and, and then we can do what we need to do to prepare players for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, I was listening to Roy Hudson interviewed by Radio 5 and he was kind of, I don't know, it was the last question which was about looking forward to this game and the position they're now in in terms of you know qualification looking likely and Roy did seem to hint that the way they'll approach it in terms of the use of their players will change now whereas had we got defeated by Wales he would have put a different side which yeah, it does make me wonder if maybe we'll see a couple of extra players given a run out, perhaps. As you say, I think it would make sense to stay solid at the back, albeit maybe there's the temptation to stick stones in and give Cahill a rest just to guarantee he's OK. But we'll have to see. But again, Slovakia are going to be no mugs. They're going to be looking to try and qualify uh, because they don't want to rely on the Wales defeating or drawing with Russia. Um, obviously, they, they lost to Wales 2-1, but then they did beat Russia uh, yeah, 2-1 with Hamzik scoring a pretty spectacular goal. So they're no mugs. How do you think they're going to play versus England and what are going to be our problems in this game? Yeah, I, I, I don't know a huge amount about them, I have to admit. Um, but the, the little I have seen, they seem to be quite a, an open, free-flowing side. So I think there'll probably be more opportunities for us, but I think they'll probably test us more than the Russians have and more, on, more than the Welsh. Mm. Um, so, you know, with, there was always a question mark over the back four coming into the tournament, so maybe this will be their first semi-decent test. Yeah, I think you might be right there. Now, let's move on to predictions then. Now, I, I'm going to just... Sam's not here, so I can say what I want, but I was spot on with my 2-1 prediction. He went 3-1. He thought it was going to be quite comfortable. Obviously, it wasn't. So let's look forward to this game. Rob, what is your prediction? England-Slovakia. Oh, uh, hmm. I think we'll have enough. I think we'll have too much. I think the confidence from the late winner... We'll see us home, 1-0, 2-0. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll go 2-0. I'll go Who's going to get the goals? Hmm. I'll go Daniel Sturridge. And he's been pretty unlucky in both games so far. So I'm going to go Wayne Rooney. OK, so, two, so a 2-0 victory. I'm... Yeah. All right, I was thinking maybe two. So do you know what? I'm going to... Why not? We're going to win 4-0. 4-0. Yeah, 
We're going to absolutely destroy them. We're going to take every chance. Vardy's going to score again because he just always scores. Uh, Rooney will score. I think we're going to get a goal from a fullback. I don't know which one, but I reckon one of them, the way they're pushing up. And then Rashford's going to come on for the last six minutes and he's going to stick the fourth away. It's going to be party times. And then we're going to move on as group winners to play a third place team when you've got to say then surely a good shout out for the quarterfinals, and then on from there. But, of course, we will have to wait and see. Rob, you're going to have an early start, 5 a.m. kickoff, so you're going to get a good bit of sleep before the game and then get up in preparation? Yeah, yeah, I'll be up um, I'll be up early for that one. Um, yeah, 5, 5 a.m. is not too bad. It's been worse this season, so... Yeah, I've got to say, uh, this game, it was 1 a.m. here, kickoff, so I didn't get any sleep before. Got home, got into bed at 4 a.m., thinking... I'll get a good three hours before the baby wakes up. 5 a.m., one hour later. Oh, I tell you, today has sucked. I can't wait. I miss my bed. I can't wait to be in bed. It is the joy, the joys of living on the wrong side of the world, mate. That's, that's why we love it. That's right. We certainly do. So, hey, Rob, look, thanks so much for being on Back of the Net. It's good to have your opinion. And, uh, yeah, giving Sammy a rest, you know, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Yeah, as long as uh, Sam's not uh, locked up somewhere in some Greek prison, um, hopefully he'll be back to join you next week. Thanks, thanks for <laughs> talking to me, Sean. All right, mate. Take care. Cheers, mate. Bye. Okay, so that just about wraps it up for this episode of Back of the Net, the England Euro 2016 podcast. Sorry it's been a little bit heavy on me and a bit light on Sam Davis, but he will be back for the Slovakia game. But thanks very much for Rob Frank for joining us. And uh, I wonder if he's still walking on his training walk. And a thank you to you for listening to the show. We hope you're enjoying us bringing you these special shows throughout the tournament. Normally it's uh, yeah AFC Bournemouth focus. So if you do happen to be a Bournemouth fan, then throughout the Premier League season, as we begin our second season in the top flight, you can listen to our show each and every week. If you're a listener of another team, you'd probably find it a bit boring because you wouldn't know who we are. But hope you're enjoying the England ones, and we hope to be bringing you these shows for a few more weeks yet. You can head to our website, www.afcbpodcast.com, and there you can listen to previous shows and you can find out all the ways you can listen to the show, whether it's Mixcloud, iTunes, or wherever else. Um, lots of different options there. Oh, hang on, that was my phone. Um, that's a voicemail from Sam Davis. What's he got to say? New message. Received at 11.50 a.m. <laughs> Mate, how many times have you practiced an after message? It's perfect. Sam D, Sam D is back in the net. Uh, Sammy presenter, sidekick, let me say. But, uh, anyway, uh, try to get hold of you because I am lost in Lyon. I thought you were about there. <laughs> Provide some help on Google Maps, but it's fine, Sean. It's fine. Ignore me, it's fine. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to doing a normal podcast in my burnt, flammable England shirt scene, shall I? Bye-bye. Ah, well, uh, <laughs> let's hope Sam's back for the next show. I might just um, see Leon on Google Maps. I'll see if I can pinpoint him on GPS. I tagged him before he went, so I'm pretty confident I'll be able to uh, guide him back to England, so back to the studio so that I can link in with him to do the show after the Slovakia game. So don't forget, when the final whistle goes, please do send us your fan thoughts. You can email fans at afcbpodcast.com, um, having recorded your voice on your mobile phone or your laptop. Or if you are in the UK, you can call 01202 901048, and there's an answer machine there, and you can leave a message 
30, 40 seconds long. Just give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, with Sam away, I just wasn't able to sort all that stuff out for this show, but we'd love to have the back on after the Slovakia game. But before we go, we do just need to wrap up this episode's Do You Remember? So he was an Aussie that played for England, played a few games, made it into two Euro squads, didn't get on in those, but... Still, he got a record for it. He had a quote, which was, my father was Italian and my mother was Australian. So I have no English parentage at all. What I say to my English friends today is that you lot were so bad. You needed an Aussie to come and play for you. And that Aussie was Tony DiRigo. Yes, he was the Aussie that played for England. So Tony DiRigo, he joins Andy Sinton and Nick Barmby in our Euro greats that we've revealed so far on the three episodes here of Do You Remember? There'll be another one after the other show. So that wraps it all up. Let's just keep enjoying these Euros. England are winning. It's all a little bit positive. Surely could it be this time? Let's find out after the Slovakia game for another episode of Back of the Net, the England Euro 2016 podcast. England, 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 Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.